Hello world and welcome to the Overtone Warp Zone. This podcast is for people who enjoy games, love music, and want to know more about how their favorite songs work. In season one, we're taking a look at musical concepts found in pieces from Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. I'm Dan Bergman, and let's get started. The release of this episode marks the beginning of summer here in the northwesterly part of the world. It's certainly a welcome reprieve in my home city of Winnipeg, where our winters are long and cold. We like to make the most of the outdoors here when we get the chance. To mark the occasion of the changing seasons, we're going to spend this episode revisiting a tune we've touched on a few times over the podcast's history. In the dynamic music episode, we talked about Yoshi's obstacle course in that it changes from the spring-summer theme to the fall-winter theme as the seasons change in the Yoshi's Island stage. In the Christmas music episode, we specifically mentioned the fall-winter theme as having elements that evoke Christmassy or wintry feelings. In this episode, it's all about the spring-summer version for our summer vibe. Let's have a listen to it now. This remix premiering in Smash Bros. Brawl was brought to you by Shoto Kageyama. Released in 1995 for the Super Nintendo, Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island was the first game to star Yoshi as the main character. Yoshi's debut in the original Mario World in 1990 cemented him as a crowd favorite. I mean, who wouldn't want to ride a dinosaur? The choice to have him star in his own game was common sense. But for more reasons than just the protagonist's appeal, Yoshi's Island was an instant success. The game had unique platforming, a beautiful and distinct art style, and creative gameplay and level design. In particular, the graphics were part of what made the game a hit. Donkey Kong Country had just released at the end of 1994 and had revolutionized what SNES games should look like with its apparent 3D-style computer-generated graphics, and many subsequent games for the platform would try to emulate this look. By the time Donkey Kong Country came out, Yoshi's Island had been in development for nearly four years, and the artists had a choice to make. They decided to double down on the aesthetic they planned out. With the exception of the intro and outro cutscenes, the game's art assets and sprites were all hand-drawn, scanned, and faithfully recreated pixel by pixel to give it that characteristic crayon-on-paper vibe. Being near the end of the life cycle of the Super Nintendo, the cartridge also benefited from having a Super FX2 chip for extra graphics effects. Remember the good old days when the game cartridge brought new hardware to bear in addition to the console? The Super FX2 chip allowed for scaling and rotating animations, which was used in particular at the defeat of bosses. It also allowed for the distorted screen effect when Yoshi accidentally eats floating fungi and becomes... intoxicated? 
the music changes to match this as well, which is amazingly hilarious. Speaking of the soundtrack from that game, let's have a listen to the original obstacle course. The Yoshi's Island soundtrack calls this the athletic theme. The game was composed by none other than the legendary Koji Kondo. Have a listen. The original version here leans into this Dixieland ragtime feel that so many of the older Mario games draw inspiration from. You can imagine the washboard percussion behind the comping banjo and the dueling clarinet and trumpet. Oh, it's beautiful. That feel is distinctly different from our remix by Shoto Kageyama. Let's have a listen to that one again. This one is a little more like Calypso, featuring big brass sections, the melody is on steel pans, and there's some distinct percussion. Listen in particular to the percussion in this section. Here, I'll clap on the parts that I want you to notice. There's something about that part that just gives you that summertime feel, isn't there? Well, let's dig into why that is. Clubbing! When we talk about clave in music, there are two main things we're discussing. The first is a particular type of instrument, and the second is a type of rhythm. And as you can guess, the two are very much related to each other. Let's first talk about the instrument. Claves are percussion instruments. Specifically, they are idiophones, meaning something that you hit. They've been around for hundreds, if not thousands of years, and can be found in some form all over the world. However, today they are most closely associated with Cuban and other Latin American music. You play claves in pairs. They're essentially short, thick wooden dowels, made from a hardwood like rosewood or ebony. Nowadays, it is possible to find claves made of synthetic materials, but that just feels a little inauthentic to the history of the instrument. To play the claves, you strike them together. When done right, they make a bright clicking noise. Percussion beginners might be tempted to grab the two claves in their fists and smack them together any which way, but the resulting sound feels choked, too short and dull. The proper technique is to hold one clave in one of your hands using the heel of your palm and fingertips, using the palm as a resonating chamber. 
Playing this way allows for the characteristic bright resonant tone of the clave. Now we come to the meaning of clave in terms of rhythm, which we could get very in-depth with. This is a common rhythmic pattern that would usually be played on, you guessed it, the claves, and traditionally in such genres as rumba, conga, son, mambo, salsa, songo, Afro-Cuban jazz, and found untraditionally in basically any other genre you could think of. There are many variations of the clave rhythm found, depending on the style and time signature you're playing in, but for the sake of simplicity, we'll focus on the son clave in 4-4 time. It's a five-note pattern with two halves, and it goes a little something like this. There are two main ways I could count it in 4-4 time. One would be with 16th note subdivisions, keeping it at one bar's length. 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and... Another way to count it would be with 8th note subdivisions, over two bars length. 1e and a 2e and a 3e and a 4e and a 1e and a 2e and a 3e and a 4e and a... I think it's most helpful to think in terms of the clave lasting two bars, not least of which because it's easier to read in sheet music. The first half of the clave rhythm, or the three side of the clave rhythm, plays notes on beat one, the and of two, and on beat three. The second half of the clave rhythm, or the two side of the clave rhythm, simply hits on beats two and three. The clave's ubiquitous and fundamental nature has of course brought with it a wealth of writing about the theory, function, and proper use of the rhythm. It's only really been in the past century or so through Latin American jazz artists such as Mario Bauza and Tito Puente that Western musicians have put much thought into this rhythm, and with their rumination on the subject, have come to their interpretation on it, which I will now present to you. John Amira and Stephen Cornelius had this to say in the book The Music of Santeria, Traditional Rhythms of the Bata Drums. With clave, the two measures are not at odds, but rather, they are balanced opposites, like positive and negative, expansive and contractive, or the poles of a magnet. As the pattern is repeated, an alternation from one polarity to the other takes place, creating the pulse and rhythmic drive. Were the pattern to be suddenly reversed, the rhythm would be destroyed as in a reversing of one magnet within a series. The patterns are held in place according to the internal relationships between the drums and the relationship with clave. Should the drums fall out of clave, and in contemporary practice they sometimes do, the internal momentum of the rhythm will be dissipated and perhaps even broken. Wow. In fact, you'll find that most rhythms of the melodies in songs that use clave rhythm often sink right into that very same rhythmic pattern. When using clave rhythm in a song, you could use it in the way that we've described so far, which we would call a 3-2 clave, or you could instead reverse the order of those bars and have a 2-3 clave. Here's what a 3-2 clave sounds like. And here's what a 2-3 clave sounds like. The rhythm is still clave, but it's just slightly different. Now I've talked a lot about how universal and fundamental the clave is, but let me show you exactly how universal it is. Here is just a smattering of examples in Latin American music. The salsa tune Amor y Control by Panamanian Ruben Blades starts off with a 3-2 clave right off the hop. 
Here's another example of 3-2 clave, this time in the songo tune Disco Azucar from the band Los Van Van, directed by Cuban bassist Juan Formel. Oye, azúcar para ti, mamita. Para que lo baile suavecito. This time we have a 2-3 clave from Ismael Rivera's Las Caras Lindas, another salsa tune. And lastly, here's the English new wave group Bow Wow Wow using this rhythm in a completely unrelated way in their version of I Want Candy, recorded in 1982 but originally written and recorded by the Strange Loves in 1965. The 3-2 clave rhythm can be heard throughout. The clave is often referred to as the key pattern, or the heartbeat of the genres that employ it. In fact, clave directly translated from Spanish literally means key. That's how important it is. A musician colleague of mine told me a story of his high school band trip to Cuba, where they got to experience a lot of local music. He specifically remembers a band performing on the street where a little three-year-old kid was responsible for playing the clave rhythm on the claves, and he was able to play it in perfect time. It seemed to my friend as though rhythm was a very part of this child's fiber, not to mention everyone else's. Talk about a heartbeat. Now that we've talked about the uses of clave in world music, here are just a few examples from video games. First up, Afternoon on the Island from Tomodachi Life, found in Smash Ultimate soundtrack composed by Daisuke Matsuoka. This is the Trophy Gallery song from Brawl, with some good old-fashioned 3-2 clave. up are a couple of bossa nova clave examples. In bossa clave, the second hit of the two part of the clave is slightly delayed. In other words, it lands on the and of three instead of on three. Have a listen to see how it's different. First up, main theme, new Super Mario Bros. remix by Shogo Sakai.
This next one is an all-around classic. Enjoy the Wii Shop channel. The next three video game examples aren't found in Smash Ultimate, but are good examples of clave in the wider gaming world. This is the beach theme from New Super Mario Bros. Wii, with 3-2 clave. This next one is Kingdom Hearts Destiny Island, with 2-3 clave. And lastly, and I think our only example today of Roomba Clave, is Secret Island from Kirby's Epic Yarn. Roomba Clave means that the final note of the three side is a little bit late. In other words, it's on the and of four instead of on four. This one is a two three clave. One common element between all these video game tunes is what the song is trying to evoke in the listener. And typically that's a summertime, tropical, island paradise setting that's found in the game. In virtually every game featuring Yoshis of any kind, their home is referred to as being on an island, which is very often depicted as having sandy beaches, tropical fruit, and all the stereotypical idyllic island life tropes. So, remixer Shota Kageyama was very intentional in his use of this Cuban instrument and rhythm when he chose it for the summer version of Obstacle Course. As we say goodbye to spring with the release of this episode, may you have an all-new appreciation for these summer months as you keep your ears open for that clave. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the podcast or suggestions of a song or music topic. Leaving a rating or review on your podcasting platform is a great way to share that with me and helps Overtone Warp Zone gain some exposure. You can stay up to date on podcast news by visiting the website overtonewarpzone.com. If you found some enjoyment from this podcast and want to give your support, check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash overtonewarpzone. Until next time... Keep playing.